Welcome to episode 234 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason. This is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I welcome back the outrageously talented, the incredibly generous, the amazing mom, Aaron Gleason, a.k.a. The Forest Feast. Welcome back to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. If you don't know Aaron, you should know a couple things. One. She is my friend. Two, she created the cover art for the Good Stuff Kids podcast. You know that little thumbnail you see when you download the Good Stuff Kids podcast? Because I know that you download it every week and you listen to it because it's the best podcast in the world. Anyway, I said, Aaron, here's what I'd like. And she's such an incredible artist and she was able to bring it to life. And I think it took her a while. And I appreciate that because generosity of time and generosity of spirit is one of the great gifts that we can give to our friends. And that does not go unnoticed. And I'm sorry to say that the vocals on my end of this interview at the beginning sound a little robotronic. So apologies, but Aaron's side sounds great. Aaron's husband and I, John, used to work together. Uh, We don't anymore, but we're still really good friends. And um, One thing that Erin does is she's a photographer and cookbook author, and she has a brand new book out called The Forest Feast Mediterranean. By the way, incredible holiday gift. If you're looking for a holiday gift for someone, not only should you get them The Forest Feast and The Forest Feast Gatherings and The Forest Feast for Kids, but also this brand new book, The Forest Feast Mediterranean. John and Aaron took their two little boys on a three-month trip to, I think, Spain and Italy and Portugal and maybe some other places. I don't know, but I was thrilled to talk to Aaron and John, not just because they're my friends, but because I wanted to hear about what it was like to travel with little kids and would they recommend doing that? And in addition, it's always awesome to talk about food with Aaron because she comes at it from a a different angle than I do. Uh, She's really into cooking with fresh vegetables and simple but like tasty and incredibly delicious recipes. And I, uh, I sort of eat burgers, you know, so, but, but I'm open to an, to the experience one time one time i've had two really cool experiences with aaron that i want to share really quick once uh she and john and i went to um we went into san francisco and i think it was the the richmond district maybe if that's a thing um or the outer sunset maybe and uh we we photographed bao which is like steamed buns with like all kinds of tasty things in them and that was a a pretty cool and unique experience for me and we went to food trucks and and that was really fun and i think that they could tell that i was uh overjoyed like a like a child i had a childlike exuberance about the whole experience it was super fun and then one time i went over to their house and uh i got to sample some of the recipes that that made it into the book and i i just thought that was the coolest it was really fun and aaron and john are are incredible people and i'm really really lucky to consider them really really good friends but the point of this whole thing is that aaron's got this new book and we talked about travel with kids and we talked about being in the mediterranean and how that inspired her to create this incredible new book so check out theforestfeast.com. Get your holiday gifts for the people in your life who are interested in cooking a little healthier and who like to cook while also looking at some of the most gorgeous pictures, photos. Photos is, the, is like how the pros say it. Gorgeous photos you could ever see. 
all the past episodes, including two other visits from Erin Gleason. She was, by the way, the first ever like real live guest I ever had on the Good Stuff Kids podcast. If you go back and listen to episode four, you can hear uh, how I used to do this and how I was not very good at it, but how Erin was incredibly uh, professional and handled my... Um, I don't know what he would even say, handled me in, in a way that was very nice. And she's always been very generous and, and willing to give of her time. Anyway, Aaron's the best. You should know that Aaron's the best. Past episodes are available at goodstuffpod.com. Email me, goodstuffpod at gmail.com. Find me on social media, the at symbol, goodstuffpod. Find Aaron on Instagram. She's the, the best Instagrammer on earth at the Forest Feast. Okay, here is Aaron. Welcome back, Aaron Gleason. We're so glad you came back to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Good I can't hear. Before we uh, before we get to our 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 main guest here, we have uh, we have a, a special visitor, someone that is is very dear to my heart, one of my best buds in the world. John, I'm not even going to use your last name. People can do research and figure it out. John, I just want to know, like, I know you're trying to get out of this, but I'm not going to let you. So, what I want to know is the theme for this particular conversation with. Uh, Aaron Gleason, my favorite artist slash photographer slash cookbook writer in the world, is going to be about her brand new book as well as uh, traveling with kids. But what I want to know from you, the husband in the situation, is what are your thoughts on if people should travel internationally with their kids? Just sum it up. Like, tell me, what's the best or what's the worst? Absolutely. Travel with your kids. Has to happen? Has to happen. Not that it'll be easy, but you got to do it. Okay. Like there was one time where I think there was like a beggar that was coming up to us and he saw us and like our, everybody was throwing a tantrum and I think the beggar walked away from us. Like, I'm not going to bother them. (laughs) And then we broke an escalator in the Genoa train station. How do you break an escalator? I have no idea. I've never broken an escalator, but we figured out how to do it. And we're in the middle of a train station in Italy. Uh It was cold. And that was a good moment. Yeah. But other than that, it's awesome. Other than that, it's awesome. Would you, so like, I, I'm going to travel with my kids someday, but you know my kids. Do you think that. Do it. Even with my personal kids. Did you guys all like go to Puerto Vallarta together? Yeah, but that's not like going to Genoa and breaking escalators. Oh, by the way, when you interview the Forest Feast, you got to uh-huh. ask her about the time she stopped a robbery. What? With. With a nine-month-old strapped to her chest. <laughs> well, setting it up like that, we can only welcome back to the Good Stuff Kids podcast the world's greatest photographer, greatest cookbook writer, greatest artist, greatest everything, Aaron Gleason, a.k.a. The Force Beast. Welcome back to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> so obviously Aaron and I know each other and John and I know each other, but that's not important because what is important is that you have a brand new book and we've talked before. We talked about your first book and then we talked about Forest Feast Kids and then there was Forest Feast Gatherings, but there's another one. What is this brand new book? It's called The Forest Feast Mediterranean. Ooh la la, fancy. Yeah. So what a... Uh, what inspired this uh, this particular venture, right? Like this this angle, if you will, for lack of a better word, because I'm I'm just like 
really want to get to the part where you stopped a robbery, but we're going to get background <laughs> information first. So what what was it about Mediterranean or how did you get to that as the destination or the subject for, for this new book? Yeah, so John had a three-month sabbatical from work, which is how we were able to take off for so long. And I'm sort of freelance and, and work on writing cookbooks, so I'm flexible. And our kids were not in school yet. So it seemed like the perfect time to take an extended trip, and we just love traveling anyways. We traveled a lot before kids and just kind of decided to keep taking them along with us. So um, my previous books are kind of California cuisine, and Mediterranean cuisine is very similar. And I think part of us just like wanted to travel um, around the Mediterranean area. And it's not a full-encompassing Mediterranean book. It's We focused on the western part of the Mediterranean. So we visited Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. And um, we spent the first month in Barcelona, and I wanted to kind of um, explore the tapas culture. I love eating in small plates. Um, And it was also nice, like, with little kids. So when we left, uh, Max was nine months and Ezra was three. So um, I think we thought being in a city in one spot for an extended period of time would be good with like little kids to get used to the time change and kind of get our bearings and get used to not, you know, being in our usual schedule of work and office and daycare and all that. So um, it was a good place to start. (laughs) Nice. So this, um, so let's set the scene, right? So you have two boys. Um, How old were they when you like got on the plane to go? Yeah, so they were nine months and three years. Nine months and three years. Okay, so I I have some experience with kids. Um, yeah, I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> um, and when I had a, a three year old and a nine month old, it was pretty tough to like work. I guess right, like yeah, both both my wife Erin and I often are working, and when we're working, like we have to be. You know, it's not like. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but I think you know where I'm going with it, but it's like, you're taking photos, you're like talking to people, you're doing things. How did you manage that while also having two very little boys who need a lot of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think like going into a big trip or any trip, we just kind of have to adjust our expectations. Like we know that we can do fewer things. You go to fewer museums and, we didn't really go out late night to restaurants. You know, a couple times we used an agency and got a babysitter to be able to go out to dinner. But we just have to, like, adjust the way you think, you know, your expectations for the trip. Right. And um, just know that you're going to do a little bit less. And it's still fun. Like, it's still, like, you're still doing the trip. And, you know, we have, like, meltdowns over ice cream at home. Why not have it? on a nice little cobblestone street in Italy. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like the world's most romantic tantrum. <laughs> um, I think we had one day where there was like, you know, a tantrum after every single gelato shop we passed in Italy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so um, had you been to these places before or were these all new places? Um, several of them. So I had been to Barcelona, but John hadn't. And uh, we went to um, the south of France to Antibes. I had not been there. I had been to nearby cities, but not to Antibes before. And um, in Italy, uh, we stayed in Genoa, which I had not been to. I studied abroad in Italy for a year when I was in college, so I know Italy pretty well, but didn't know Genoa. And then I'd been to Sicily, but um, we went to a, a different part of Sicily than I had been to before, and John had never been there. We did like a an eight-day road trip around Sicily. 
and um like you guys were driving uh yeah oh my gosh, oh, boy. <laughs> okay john is an excellent driver and sisley was very challenging i thought for uh-huh. driving he's like shaking his head nah, it's not that <laughs> there was one moment where we were driving down this you know because you're following gps because uh-huh. it's hard to read the signs in italian and we're in a city um near catania and um, is like, you know, the GP says like, turn right on this little street. I can't pronounce. And you get down the street and it just seems like it's getting narrower and narrower and oh narrower as you drive. And uh-huh. you're like, Oh my God, we're going really slow. Let's roll down the windows and fold the mirrors in. Cause it's that close. Oh my gosh. It just seems like it's getting, you know, even closer as you go ahead. And meanwhile, you're like, there's absolutely no way to turn around. And there's also like seven cars behind you honking because you're going so slow and you're like, we just have to grit our teeth and like do it but anyways we made it out somehow we turned that rent a car with no scratches yeah that's not my, <laughs> because like, of john's excellent driving I'm like my fists are clenched just hearing the story that's yeah, so yeah, crazy I, I was closing my eyes yeah <laughs> I bet. what is it is that from is that a scene from master of none where like they get stuck am i thinking of the right thing yes exactly yeah, and they go right. up the, the sunroof and we didn't have a sunroof i'm definitely thinking about that like, Damn, like, how are we gonna get out of here um wow so so knowing your your boys, like they they like to be outside, they like to be active, and knowing you too as well, you like to be outside, you like to be active. Do you um like was there play? What was the playground scenario like? Like did did your older son did he make buddies like wherever he went? Like my kids did when they were that age on the playground and things like that. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, like in Barcelona, the playground situation is amazing. Um, every evening, we would walk around our neighborhood and find like a different kind of tapas bar to get some tapas and like a drink at. In the evening, we were there in October, so it was warm. But also, restaurants don't open for dinner until like 10 p.m., so we kind of had to make tapas bars our our dinner. But um, you know, all these plazas all around the city, they often have a playground and then lots of outdoor cafes kind of like around it. So it was so fun to just sit outside and let your, you know, have your glass of sangria and let the kids play on the playground right in front of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, why don't we have that in America? Yeah. Why don't we have <laughs> we that? We need that. We need yeah. that. Well, it's a totally different. It's very thing. family friendly. Totally yeah. family friendly. But also even like. just like the, the airport in Barcelona was amazing. It had playgrounds. And even as you're going through security, they had like a playpen for to put your baby in while you put your really? shoes back on. Uh, just like in a whole special family lane. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very well set up. And even like nice restaurants, like Michelin star restaurants, if you want to go to one in Barcelona, you can bring your kids. No problem. Wow. It's not a weird thing. Yeah, really. Very family Would you see other families like with kids? It's just like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Wow. Totally amazing. Yeah. Um. So you you probably had to build a lot of your schedule around naps and things like that. We did. Right? Yeah. So there what were some? Enough. If you had to pull out like three or four of the highlight things that you all did, that you would you would say like, hey, if you're going to these spots, you gotta like this is just the coolest thing because I mean following you on Instagram, I saw like these places that you all ended up in or like off the beaten path, which is awesome. And you should be commended Mm -hmm. for getting yourselves out of the like main tourist districts. But are there places that you saw that you're either like, I got to get back there or this is like the most beautiful, memorable thing. Like this is where I want to live. This is where I am. Oh man. Well, we really love Barcelona. I think we could see ourselves living there. I mean, not practically because it's so far from family, but it was a great city. Um, but 
Yeah, John's saying he, he really liked Besalu, this amazing little town near the Costa Brava, an ancient town, um, medieval town, I think, um, that was uh, just outside Barcelona, kind of on the coast. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see. Yes, we rented a farmhouse there. We did Airbnbs the whole way, which made it easy. Um, I think also like a really easy place to travel with kids that uh, was great was Portugal. Um, so we did two weeks in Lisbon and two weeks in the south of Portugal, the Algarve region. And there we rented a car and tooled around and it was very easy to drive and get around and, um, you know, like no traffic. And we just kind of went to a different beach town every day. And beaches are always easy with yeah. with kids. And there's beach cafes. You could always get something to eat like right on the beach. And that was super easy mm-hmm. and also affordable to rent a, an apartment there. And yeah. Yeah. So, so before we turn to food, one last like sort of travel-ish related question. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. I know that the iPod or iPad, iPod, I'm an old man. <laughs> this is all I know. But the iPad is like an indispensable travel item, right? At this In, in this stage, yes. like for, for us as well as for you. But what was, if there was like one piece of, and John can chime in on this, but if there's like one piece of gear that you would recommend that that parents have with them if they're going to go on like a big trip like this what what would it be that's a good question um i mean the double stroller was very oh, gotta have it yeah. helpful <laughs> which actually we use your hand-me-down uh, double yeah <laughs> yeah uh, which was great and we ended up for our next trip buying that same stroller like in an updated version but like the front and back narrow one was good for mm-hmm. Um, cobblestones and everything. <laughs> the, the sit and stand, right? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sit yeah. and stand back, and then a front seat with yeah. a. Yeah, that's a critical. Tray. I mean, that could be the answer yeah. because when we traveled, like that thing just made such a world of difference. Because the bigger kid could stand, littler kid obviously is not mm-hmm. going to be standing. So, okay, I will accept yep. that as your answer, unless okay. you thought yeah. of something else. Yeah. Um, another thing, like getting through airports. I think like overall, just like packing light really helps. We had to be able to carry the baby and all of our luggage off the plane, getting into a taxi. And in a lot of cities, you can find like family Uber that you can order one with a car seat, but not everywhere. And we're often renting cars, so you can obviously rent a car seat, but it wasn't always super dependable and easy. So we just decided to travel with two car seats um, and we got like the lightweight ones. So that was really good. But um Let's see. So we just brought two carry-on suitcases, rollers, and we would often put Ezra, who's three, like on the roller and roll him on one suitcase, put the baby in the front pack, pull the other suitcase, and then put the two car seats and one extra backpack on the double stroller. And that's how we get through the airport. Nice. (laughs) So I think just like, and always booking Airbnbs with um, laundry. So we're just always doing laundry um, so that you don't have to bring as many clothes. And... um, on the airplane itself, <laughs> um, we would always book um, an aisle in a window, um, and then the aisle right across if we were buying three tickets, and always leave that like not book the center um, seat. Strategy, strategy. With always the like first. yes, and always in the back of the plane, like maybe the second to last row. And then as you're boarding the plane, we always like ask the. Um, person at the desk like can you make that middle seat the last one to fill if the flight's not full because we're traveling with an infant and they would almost always say yes I I feel like at least half the time we would get that empty middle seat and then we would carry on the infant car seat and put it 
um, in one of the seats so that we wouldn't have to hold the baby the whole time mm. if you're not buying a ticket for your infant. Right, right. Smart. So that gives you a lot of extra space. So we almost always bought three tickets but got four seats. That is some serious travel hacking. Well done. <laughs> well done. So let's let's turn our attention to some of the, the food, right? So okay. you – like, how did it work, right? Did you go and, and make appointments with people that you wanted to meet and then, like, hang out with them and learn from them? Or, like, what was the what was the mode in which you, you sort of developed these new recipes? Yeah, not really. There was a little bit of that. I did learn from a few people on the road, but mostly it was just eating out at restaurants, taking a lot of notes, ordering different things, also looking at the menu. We mostly you know, would order all vegetarian things, and the books are vegetarian. The book is vegetarian. So um, sometimes there was, like you know, obviously in Spain, there's like a lot of meat. And so I would try to take note on what like the typical meatier dishes might be. And then I come home and um, make like a vegetarian version of that. Like, so for example, like there's potato croquettes in the book, which usually have potatoes and ham, but I made a version with potato and mushroom. Um, Or like in Portugal, there was this bean salad that we saw everywhere that had white fish, um, mixed up in it with herbs and beans. And we saw it at a lot of the beach cafes. Um, and so instead of the fish, I used like uh, mozzarella, fresh mozzarella and ripped it to look like little pieces of white fish kind of, it has like that similar mm-hmm. feel and texture and like protein, but it was mm-hmm. a nice addition to the book, but that was all just like things that we saw in menus. But we also looked at a lot of, um, of the agriculture that was growing as we drove, like, especially through Sicily, there's so much, um, you know, citrus orchards and fig trees and, um, we went through this one area of Sicily that was really known for its pistachio production and honey production. And so that would like translate into a recipe like the honey pistachio shortbread bars in the back of the book that, um, there's like a honey tasting that we did on the top of Mount Etna volcano. Um, that there's like this one pistachio honey that they had at a honey taste. Like only in Italy do they have a honey tasting at the top of a volcano. That's like the start of a movie. I don't know what happens yeah. next. But. <laughs> yeah. So I like played with that idea and like, I was like, how could I translate that to one of my recipes and tell uh-huh. the story? So at the top of each um, recipe, there's like a little story about like, what was the inspiration for that recipe? So uh-huh. Um, nice. So yeah. what, what are, what are like two of the highlights, two or three of the highlights, like the recipes that you're like super pumped about that you, that, that people are digging or that you all are. And by the way, I said people are digging because I am a, the oldest person in the world and b the <laughs> coolest person in the world. But like, what are some of the, um, some of the, uh, the recipes that people are really excited about that you're getting feedback on? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of, Inspiration also came from markets in each of the countries that we visited, um, outdoor markets in France or these amazing like indoor markets in um, in Spain. Um, There's one in Madrid that had it wasn't like a farmer's market type market. It was more like uh, food booths that you would go and you get little tastes and tapas at each different station. And there was one. Um, that specialized, actually it was like a few stations in a row that all specialized in burrata cheese. You know, that sort of like, it's like mozzarella, but really creamy in the middle. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had just little toasts with a big hunk of burrata and every kind of option you could think of. It's called Mercado de San Miguel is the market. And um, so I, I kind of translated that idea into a burrata bar in the book. And so there's like this 
kind of appetizer bar that you could set up if you're having people over or just eating by yourself like me. And, <laughs> um, you know, all, all different kinds of toppings like arugula and fig jam and uh, mashed butternut squash and caramelized onions and things that you can put on your little toast with some burrata to make it kind of like a, a fun spread. Nice. And so that was from the market. Um, I had a version of that at my book signing last weekend that went over well. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, cocktails. Another, yeah, there's some really fun cocktails. Like in, in Spain, um, in Barcelona, I kept noticing everybody drinking vermouth cocktails everywhere. Oh. And I'm used to just putting like a little vermouth in right, like a martini, like a martini yeah. not drinking it like a glass of it. So it seems so that weird. Seems but weird. <laughs> yeah, I kept see- seeing people with these kind of glasses of red something that I didn't recognize and i asked the waiter one time i was like what's everybody drinking and he said oh it's just vermouth and so it's a a red sweet vermouth that um you have over ice and they have different kinds of garnishes sometimes there's like a little lemon added or maybe there's a little seltzer sometimes or sometimes it's just straight and there's sometimes an olive in there sometimes a lemon or orange garnish but it's just vermouth and people drink it the way we might have like a bloody mary on a sunday um sort of like a day drinking Mm -hmm. type of afternoon like a miller light so what uh traveling with kids is tough living with kids is yeah. tough like yeah. feeding kids is tough so yeah was there anything when you were traveling that that you found that like the boys like really really liked that was a little bit surprising because it's so different than the american diet right a lot it sounds like a lot less processed food it sounds like a lot less like just like sandwiches and things like that was there any yeah yeah i would love to know what that would be if there is such a thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um you know, definitely in Spain, the patatas bravas are basically Spain's better version of French fries. They're cubes of fried potatoes. Those always went over well, as well as the tortilla española, which is like eggs and potatoes and kind of like a big fried omelet thing. Mm-hmm. And they would eat both of those pretty easily. Um, in Italy, it was easy because there's pasta everywhere. and They could eat pasta every night for dinner. Yeah, in, in the south of France, there was this... Um, kind of street food called soca um, that they made in a big outdoor oven at the market and it's like a chickpea pancake kind of like a thicker crepe but it's made out of chickpea flour so it's super high in protein and really easy it's basically just chickpea flour and water that's it so I put that in the book too a version of that that um, that they liked and you can you know put like jam on it to make it sweet or it can be savory with cheese or something Um, but it's like a healthy high protein vegetarian option um i remember like in genoa uh genoa is where pesto comes from pesto genovese Uh, and i don't know what that means (laughs) good evening good evening to you too um um, so you know max was uh not quite one yet at that point and he was just digging the pesto Uh he loved that pesto genovese and you know I, i think they're generally adverse to most green things, but uh, yeah. pesto seem to go over pretty well. <laughs> nice. That's great. Um, so before we get to uh, how we how we get this book, there is a very important question that we've sort of been we sort of teased at the very beginning, oh, which is yes. how you stopped this robbery oh, okay. <laughs> crime stopper. Yeah. So it was at one of the biggest, that. most famous markets in uh, Barcelona, La Boqueria. 
And Barcelona is just sort of known for pickpocketing. You have to kind of be careful. You gotta, I, we somehow managed to keep our phones for the whole month that we were there, but I think it's very common to lose your phone. I mean, to the point where you can't put it on the table inside a restaurant because somebody might grab it oh off the gosh. table while you're eating. Wow. Yeah. Um, which people told us that happened to them. So, you know, I felt like I was on high alert, especially at touristy places like this Bokeria Market. So we were sitting in the back of the market. We had gotten some things from food stalls to eat, and I had the baby in the front pack strapped to my stomach, and we were sitting on a bench across from a couple other people on a bench, and I saw this guy sitting on the bench enjoying his meal, and he put his wallet um, stacked on his phone right next to his, you know, thigh, basically, like really close, almost touching. Mm-hmm. And it was like a circular bench around a tree. And another guy came up inside the like interior part of like the plants, you know, inside mm-hmm. the, the tree um, and came up behind him and put his hand on that that wallet and was going to take it from him as he was eating. I mean, he was like basically touching his body. It was so, so close, but I was sitting across from him and I could see this man reaching his hand over. And so I just like leapt up with this baby on me and I started like, you know, chasing this guy and I was like, you know, and I like don't speak Spanish. So it was sort of coming out. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I just looked like the crazy jet lag mom with a baby strapped to her running after somebody. But basically I I scared the guy who was trying to steal his, his phone and wallet into the point where he dropped it. And in the middle of this, the other man sitting there who was about to be robbed, who also didn't speak English or Spanish, was just sort of like so confused, like what's happening? Who's this crazy lady running at me? And who's this other guy? <laughs> like it was just like a massive confusion. But basically he dropped the wallet. The other guy, you know, the guy who owned the wallet grabbed it back. And he was so grateful um, to us for having saved his yeah, phone and wallet that he went and bought us fruit at the market and brought yeah. it to us, which was yeah. so nice. That's so nice. Yeah, we saved the day. You are a hero. You are a hero in so many ways. Crime stopper. You are just a hero. Okay, so so Aaron, what's the best way for us to get this book? I know there's lots of different ways for people to, to, you know, there's the Amazon, there's all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. But what, in your opinion, is the best way to support you in getting this book? Yeah. You can find it wherever books are sold. It is at most places. I think it's always nice to support your local bookstore um, if you can. But you can also go to theforestfeast.com slash cookbook, and there's a whole list of places you can buy it online. Um, Amazon, of course, has it, and uh, Barnes & Noble has it online. They have signed copies, which is kind of fun. Um, and really wherever books are sold, you can nice. find it. <laughs> and I will, I will also, sh- I'll shout out and say that, uh, I've been at a couple like independent bookstores and like even I, this, you're going to find this very hard to believe, but I was at a book festival Ooh, and fun. I think I sent you a picture <laughs> of it, but I, I, every time I am, I'm, I'm at a place like that, I look for the book and it, and it's in a lot of these places, independent bookstores near you, or if there's like a sort of traveling book fair in your city or things that there's a good chance that the forest feast will, will show up that the books will be there. Um, okay. So you're also a prolific and awesome Instagrammer. You use the Instagram story feature. What is uh what's the best <laughs> way to to keep up with what you're doing? So like the website or the Instagram or the Facebook or the Twitter or whatever works for you. Yeah. On Instagram I'm at the Forest Feast, Forest with one R. And um, I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash theforestfeast. I also have a newsletter that you can just go to theforestfeast.com and sign up for. There's a subscribe tab. 
and um, those are my most active platforms. Yeah. And do you have anything that you would want to say to any professional wrestler that posted <laughs> a photo of your book? Like maybe go ahead and tag the Forest Beast if you don't mind. Please, 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 please tag. Come on. If you have millions of followers, please tag me. That is like so <laughs> social media 101. I can't even believe it. Um, yeah. You know, there's been a fun thing on Instagram. Um we have a hashtag, just hashtag Forest Feast Mediterranean, mm -hmm. and already so many people are cooking recipes out of the book and tagging it. So it's really fun if you happen to get the book and make something, um, take a picture and put it on there, and yeah. I can tag it and share it. It's always fun to see what people are, are making. Awesome. Um, well, Aaron, you are my second favorite mom named Aaron. <laughs> and it, it. Was, <laughs> it was great talking to you again and having the chance to catch up even before we were rolling and the book is awesome and beautiful and great as usual so thank you for all of the work that you do and john if you're still there i don't know i can't oh my god oh there he is you have thank questions you. for me i'm so, <laughs> yeah, so some questions yeah i have some questions for you outtake, roll, Here, roll. Here, here's yeah. the outtakes okay. aaron before we get the outtakes aaron thank you so much so true confession there is no outtake rule not because john couldn't handle it but because i didn't ask very good questions even for the outtake rule it's kind of embarrassing anyway thanks for listening thanks for sticking with it i know that the uh the vocals on my end were a little robotronic uh at points but um the point is you got to hear aaron and john and hear about their travel and hear about aaron's incredible books so make sure you get out and support your independent photographer cookbook writers like Aaron and others I mean they're in every community so go find them and support them these folks are doing it for the love and any support that we can give them is a good thing independent bookstores find one there's definitely one in your area find it go there support Aaron support lots of people I mean you know people write books people have good ideas we should support them and their ideas I know it's money out of the pocket but it's an important thing to do okay Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, John. Mostly thank you, Aaron. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you very soon. Good stuff.